With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. again to the mud bugs for playing us in this is the sneaky good podcast i'm your host poser as always with my producer chris making sure that i only sound partially stupid not entirely <laughs> stupid well there's only so much that i can do there's there are limits to technology <laughs> right uh, and we are back to a full house this week we are with our uh, traditional friends uh, seth from north of the border and Jake from north of I-10, which counts as uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line. I like how you called this traditional. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I, been I like the first time I've ever been called traditional in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it has been like a half dozen episodes. It's like uh, this is the the regular sneaky good crew now. It, it took well, two, here we are. It took two people to replace Paul. That's what it – that's really <laughs> – <laughs> I wonder what Paul's going to say about that. I don't know. He has big shoes. Literally big shoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like his shoes are actually a large size. Yeah, it's like a size 13 or something like that. It's amazing. Really? <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, those are big shoes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like bobbling. He's the bobbling of the podcasting world. <laughs> That's an old reference for people. Bob Lanier was a yeah, basketball like, player in the 70s. <laughs> he played for Milwaukee. your references, really... please? <laughs> anyway, I'm here to explain the references for our listeners out there who are just, particularly Crackles. I know he gets really upset <laughs> when he doesn't. <laughs> uh, so, LSU has opened up the SEC schedule, and they have beaten Vanderbilt. That was, it was a close one. Yeah, real nail biter there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the, because LSU fans have can never be happy, that's our rule, <laughs> instead of leading things off with talking about how great the offense was, let's start off with bitching about the defense. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Jake. <laughs> it, it kills me. Like, the defense definitely isn't what we expected it would be. Obviously, because we all expected it to be like the best defense in the country, which it's not. The defense is maybe not good at the moment. You know, it's definitely not great. Maybe it's not good. One, it is losing five players at the moment, including half of its front, more than half of its front seven. Yeah, the so, entire pass rush, as someone on Twitter pointed out. I can't remember you, who. You're missing two. You're two-thirds of your – they play three-fourths, you're missing two of the three and then two of the four. So that's four dudes right there. Plus Todd Harris is gone for the year. So th that's part of it. But it's it's like seeing everyone – like these LSU fans act like, we're Oklahoma now. And it's like, 
we score, but we can't stop anybody. And I'm like, dudes, Oklahoma last year was like 100-something in the country in yards per play. LSU was like 24, in the top 25 coming into the Vanderbilt game. And now I think they're in the top 40 because they dropped a bit. Um, yeah, I think, th- I think we're 38th in defensive S&P right now. Yeah, 38th. And in yards per play, LSU is still 23rd with right. 4.6 yards per play allowed per game. That is just a tick below Florida and Auburn and a couple ticks below Alabama. So, yeah, LSU's defense maybe isn't necessarily good, but, like, dear God, it's like you think we're, like, the worst defense in the country. I mean, it's, it's like, ridiculous. I mean, it's, and it's not that, like, I don't care. It's not that I, like, I, I don't want to be, de- like, man, sure, I'd love the defense to give up 10 points a game every week and, like, be unstoppable. Like, I'd love to have the 2011 defense out there. But it's like, how much am I supposed to get, like, super bothered about the defense when, A, they, beside one game this year, they never really play any possessions within two or three scores. They gave up one touchdown on the opening drive, which is not a good drive, and then LSU went up 28-7. It's like, okay, well, that's it. Game's over. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the big thing is that early on in the game, I think the concern was when – in the Vanderbilt game is Vanderbilt came right out there, eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And there's a really big gash play. It looked really bad. And then the defense really settled itself. You had two, three and outs. Then there was a turnover on downs. There was one pretty long drive in there, but it only resulted in a field goal. So, and then there was, you know, two more three and outs. I mean, it was the defense, I think played really well in the first half and we're kind of cruising in the halftime. And then you have the Clyde edwards Elaire fumble, which puts a touchdown on the board for Vanderbilt, all of a sudden makes it a game again. And once again, on the first possession of the third quarter, Vanderbilt drives down really quickly. It only took three plays to go 75 yards and a touchdown. So it didn't really feel like the defense was bad all game. It really just felt two really bad drives and both of them starting the halves. Yeah, I wonder how, how different we would look at it look at the game if I mean the defensive stats wouldn't change but our perception would change if the two non-offensive touchdowns hadn't been scored and, and LSU wins the game <laughs> like 66-21 uh, 24 right? Yeah 66-24 yeah, yeah, yeah they kicked the field goal so 24 so I think we would look a bit differently but it, it, yeah look the defense is still troubling a little bit I want to believe that like Jake said the injuries are playing a big part of it you know, when I looked at those two, like, pretty big runs, it felt like, well, the D-line wasn't really getting off blocks, so that doesn't help. And when you don't have Rashad Lawrence and, and Caleb on chase on and, um, and uh, well, who am I thinking of? Logan. Um, and Logan, of course. That's not going to help. And then, you know, the linebackers aren't, you know, Devin White's not there anymore. And, and Michael Divinity is not there yesterday. Uh, on on Saturday, so they're hitting the wrong gaps. All of a sudden, the run the run um, comes through and, and it goes 50 yards. So I want to believe that the injuries play an important factor, but at the same time, Christian Fulton is is giving up a lot of big plays. Uh, not necessarily big plays, but he's giving up a lot of plays in man coverage. Grant Delpit is missing tackles that he was making all the last two years. So I, I it's like everything. It's it's weird. 
It's really weird. I, I've never seen an LSU defense like just like miss tackles like this and, and not cover people like this. Their zone defense has not been very good. I think teams are hitting the, the spots they should be hitting against LSU's zone defense, but but the windows are so wide that it's it's a little weird to see. I'd say uh, one thing, Kashawn Vaughn's a really good running back. He's one of the best running backs in the SEC. He's going to get his yards. 130 is probably more than you want to give up to him. But he averaged 6.5 yards a carry. That's kind of his average. So it wasn't like LSU gave up more than you would expect to a Vanderbilt to this Vanderbilt team because Vaughn's probably their best offensive player outside of Lipscomb, who was shut down uh, by and large. But also, yeah, I think the defense, I think one of its biggest problems outside of the Texas game it just seems like it's kind of going through the motions right now. It, it's yeah. hard for this defense. LSU's defense has always thrived on intensity. Like, you know, they need these big plays. They're the ones who go and pump up the crowd. They're the stars. And right now they're just kind of sitting back and like, okay, you know, whatever happens, happens. We're winning by 30 points. What's, you know, what's the big deal? It's hard to keep that intensity up when you're playing these massive blowouts. The big one really is just the tackling and, you know, not getting – just getting in the wrong gap, whiffing on tackle, taking bad angles. Like, I remember Kerry Vincent on back-to-back plays in the flat where he could have made an easy tackle for a zero-yard game. He just took a bad angle and whiffed. And like, it seems like they're having quite a lot of those plays where, like, they got a guy in position to stop the play, and then they miss the tackle when it goes for five or six yards, and boom, third and ten goes to third and four. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Lot. There's definitely been a lot of that. It's that's a lot yeah. easier to pick up. And I mean, the thing is that it's not that you don't get to LSU without knowing how to tackle. It's not like these dudes just don't know how to tackle. It's either yeah, they're just making uncharacteristic mistakes, or there's just the lack of general intensity. Which, and I'm not saying that that's like a good thing. And it's like, oh, it's fine. Like, obviously, you. You want that to be picked up so that when you, they do hit the meat of the schedule, they're kind of in that sort of groove. But I don't, so much of it just feels like it's – it feels like it's just kind of like a, like LSU fans like waiting for like the other foot to drop. They just have like this preconception, like this idea that the offense is definitely going to be stopped at some point, And so therefore we're screwed because the defense isn't good. And it's like, no, you don't have to like automatically assume – that LSU is going to have a game where they only score 17 points and they're going to need the defense to hold the other team to 14. Like, well, I do think there's going to be a point. I do think there's going to be a point in the season where they're going to need the defense to make a stop. Yeah, obviously. And, and honestly, like the Texas game, if the LSU defense makes one stop in the second half at any point, that game is put away much earlier. But right. also, I think the Texas game kind of was its own thing I, I, that was definitely I, I keep saying this using the cycling term the defense just cracked in that game it was hot they were behind the eight ball they've been on the field for so long the lsu defense just i don't want to say gave up but they had nothing to give in the second half of that game it, and it's hard to make conclusions based on that going forward that was i think a one game thing right but i think what scares me is it's now we wanted to believe it was a one-game thing against Texas, but then a very bad Northwestern State team came in and moved the ball, and then another bad Vanderbilt team came in and moved the ball. So now I want to give Aranda the benefit of the doubt because he's deserved that over 
you know, the four years that he's been here. There's, I, I'm not going to start saying this defense is bad and Aranda doesn't know what he's doing, obviously. But at some point we have to realize that this maybe isn't, if this continues, that maybe this isn't uh, just a good defense. Maybe it's an average defense. And maybe that's, and maybe that's enough with how good the, the offense is this year. I would say we can go but, as far as saying it's not a great defense, but I mean, let, let's give the defense credit in the Vanderbilt game. They score on the opening drive. LSU scores at 7-7, and then it's punt-punt downs. Vanderbilt only runs 11 plays. They don't get any, you know, they don't really gain a whole lot of yardage, and the game's 28-7, to and it's pretty much fundamentally over at that point. The defense, when it needed the play, it shut Vanderbilt down early, and LSU had built essentially an insurmountable lead in the first quarter. No, that basically was the case with, look, obviously, like, I don't want LSU to give up 278 yards to Northwestern State, but it's Northwestern State had, you know, kind of two drives in the first half, and then that was it. They got completely shut down in the second half. And for the in the totality of the game, LSU's defense played pretty well. And so really we're looking at the Texas game where they – Yes, obviously did not play well. And then you're looking at parts of this Vandy game as well, where you could say, yeah, they didn't play particularly well. And so in that case, you're looking at a game against Texas, which, hey, Texas does have a very, very good offense. That is a great Texas offense. And Vandy, obviously, I mean, it's not saying Vandy's good, but they do have their, they do have some players. Lipscomb's a very good wide receiver. Vaughn's a very good running back. So, I mean, yeah, like, it's definitely not a great defense so far. Like, there's no way to, like, spin that, oh, this is still a great defense. But I do think there is a way to look at it without thinking that this is a bad defense or a defense that's, like, in big trouble. So right, now it's, right now it's fine and with a lot of injuries. And now maybe those – maybe now, if, yeah, if those guys come all come back and the defense is playing at the same level, well, then – yeah, there's there's other questions will need to be asked, but and also some of those guys sitting out is precautionary. I mean, it's that they know they can beat Vanderbilt and Utah State without them. I mean, Chase on clearly said he wanted to play. I think getting those guys back, we, I think we all we're all in agreement that getting basically four starters back on the, in the front seven is going to make a big difference. I think for me, it's like let's say this is a defense that ends up ends the year ranked somewhere in the 30s in in whatever you know metric you want to use but the offense finishes in the top three is that a formula for an SEC title as opposed to other years where maybe it was flipped and the defense was in the top five but the offense was in the in the low 20s uh you know 30s where we would still lose three to four games or, or two to three to four games so I think the the reverse of that is very interesting yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's it's good enough to win. It's, <clears throat> I think the reverse of it's also good enough to win. It's just things just haven't fallen right. And I I think in in a vacuum, yes. Like I think having a top three defense and a thirty-ish offense is generally can get you to like you can look around college football and I mean like Wisconsin's a good example. Wisconsin has won tons of games this decade you know, and won multiple conference championships with that kind of formula, winning 
with a top five three defense and a top 30, you know, kind of offense. Washington, the last couple of years, you know, has won Pac-12 titles with a top 10-ish defense and not a very good offense. I think for this LSU, t- like, if you're asking me would I rather go up against Alabama with the top three offense in the country and a 30th-ranked defense or the reverse, I would take this because I think that gives them a better chance to win. I think they've got a better chance of winning with having Burrow and Chase and that group of receivers and trying to hang 45 on them and hold them to 42. Because I've seen the reverse and it just hasn't worked. Yeah. I've I've seen the inverse just not work. I think the difference is, is like, you don't know which one's going to work, but we've already tried one way. So if we're going to lose, let's lose a different way at least. Yeah, that too. But also, I think like I've seen teams like I saw like Oklahoma last year score on Alabama and not be like that Oklahoma team didn't get stopped. They just decided for some reason to kick two field goals inside the 10 yard line. And they were running. They were running like a truly horrible defense, which this LSU defense is not. And like I saw Clemson last year with a freshman QB who obviously not in any ordinary freshman who was fantastic go up against that you know coming off playing a schedule that wasn't particularly great and still with a bunch of freaks at wide receiver just throw the ball on bama for the entire national championship game and it worked so i just i just think it's yeah like we've seen it like i've seen you know trying to beat them and like yeah at one point of time we were able to beat them 20 to 17 or 9 to 6 but Clearly, they weren't. That was a long time ago. Yeah, Jake. it was a long. It was, was a long so time ago. Long time ago. Yeah, like yeah. At one point, we were, but that time we weren't. And also, I think you look at like Georgia the last couple of years. Georgia basically tries to outlast Alabama by like getting out in front of them and then ball controlling it and hoping they can like run and hide. And guess what? They can't run and hide. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, I'd rather run with this offense where it's where if we if we get up by ten or whatever, we're just gonna put the foot on the gas and keep going. And so, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the offense for a second because LSU scored 66 points this weekend, which is a lot. And they really stopped trying to score. I don't know. Midway through the third quarter. Uh, Jake was pissed. I was pissed. They, <laughs> Jake was pissed in the, at the end of the first half when they didn't score, try and score and then score. they got the fumble return. This team could literally do it. Like, why not score like eighty or ninety points if it tried? Well, no, I like I, I just kind of got bothered by it because afterwards I was like, we gotta play for sixty minutes. I'm like, well, dude, you just freaking came, <laughs> like, just went into the half, like. like well, the advocates the Scott Rabelais said on Twitter, you know, how strange was that game that LSU scored sixty six points and yet Zach von Rosenberg still punted five times. <laughs> I mean, that tells you how many more times they potentially could have scored and did not. And, and, and it felt like most of those punts came in the second half. Um, yeah, like third quarter, there was one punt late uh, midway through the third quarter and three, uh, two punts in the fourth quarter. So yeah. LSU essentially stopped trying to score um, once it uh, had the punt return for a touchdown. After that, it was... I mean, the block punt for a touchdown. After that, they put the offense up on blocks, and that was with, what, 722? And they, they might took – you could argue they took Burrow out. I know they kind of wanted him to get the – they probably wanted him to get the record, and he did. Yeah. But, like, 
they were up by like he was in there when they were up by twenty eight points. <laughs> Man, <laughs> the way that game was going, I wouldn't have kept him in the game up twenty eight points. Well, they were definitely playing chippy. Yeah, v- Vanderbilt's strategy was definitely to hit Burrow as often as possible. Which you know, fair play. That's you know, it's football. You're you know, that's what you do. But it was definitely get Burrow out of there as quickly as possible so he doesn't get hurt. And when Brennan came in the game, he took he took two pretty vicious shots to the head. One of them that got overturned on review, and another one that didn't even get flagged when he was sliding. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed that they do when Burrow uh, when when Brennan gets into the game, so they don't want to they. They don't want to run the score up because you'll notice like this this year they don't have Burrow running the ball yeah. so much on like zone reads or or you know QB counter power whatever he'll keep it on like short yardage in the goal line which is like two really good times to to run it but it's not like part of the offense on like first and ten but when Brandon goes in the game they're like okay well we want to run the ball and we don't want to have the option you know to throw it like an RPO so we 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 make Brandon read the defensive end and then keep it if he keeps it he runs which is not brennan's game but they just don't want to like run up the score that badly so now brennan is running like that's not the guy you want to be running the football with i, I mean he's getting I, he took some shots up. whatever the one the the hit to the head that got overturned i mean it could have gone either way, but I mean, his helmet from the the back view—you saw the helmet almost completely pop off his head. I mean, he got he got slobber knocked. Uh, it was it was a whale of a sack. I mean, before the con- you know, the concept of targeting you know becoming a penalty, that just would have been one hell of a shot. Like it was that was the kind of hit that brings a crowd to its feet five years ago. Part of the like issue, I don't know issue. Like, I wonder if they expect. Like, I, I think clearly. I mean, clearly, Burrow and the dudes on that offense expected that they were going to put up points. But like, I wonder if the if the staff expected them to be this good, where literally averaging fifty seven points a game. And so, like, because obviously you you can't redshirt Brennan now, and it's you, you got to get him. And if if not with the first team offense. You can't just put him in there like, okay, hand the ball off and let's go home. Like, you need to get him some reps. But they're as opposed to being up by, like, four touchdowns or whatever, and, hey, we can get him some reps, they're, like, already have, like, 50 points by the time he comes in the game. It's crazy. Like, oh, well, because, like, when he comes in the game, you got 50 points. You're like, oh, I don't want to hang 70 on him, you know? And so it's like it – Yeah, they're definitely holding – like, They are certainly like, holding Brennan back. They, they do yeah, not – they're in this like, weird pattern where it's like, Okay, we don't want you to do nothing, but we don't want you to start throwing thirty-yard touchdowns on them. So let's slow it down a bit. Because again, yeah, it's, I mean, the, it's the they're worst. Hitting, of they're hitting thirty-five points in the first half. It, it's I mean, bad for Brennan. It, it, he's in a tough spot. He yeah. he comes in there and it's it's too early to start kneeling it, but you also don't want to really score points. Your whole job is to try and grind out yardage, and that's not what this LSU offense is designed to do. And there's not a big power back. Maybe Curry is, but I don't think the staff has any real faith in Curry. So how many snaps did he play on Saturday? I don't even think I saw him on the field. I don't remember him on the field. But uh, yeah, so it just becomes, 
and then the other teams, the defense, their strategy is, okay, we want to knock Burrow out of the game. It's not all of a sudden the defense is like, well, the new, the second guy's in, we're going to stop attacking the quarterback. You know, you're going to keep running your game plan. So I think as long as they're attacking Brennan, he should attack back. We should start running up the score. Uh, not uh, You shouldn't do it with the first team, but it, it's the second team. I mean, you've taken out the starters. If the second team can score too, they can score, particularly if you're trying to hit them. Right. Well, I mean, and Brennan send the message to the next team that tries that, right? Send the message that we're just not going to put up with this. And if you're going to come after them, then we're just going to keep running the score up. Yeah. Since you can't stop us. If, if they want, if they want to play like it's still a game, then play like it's still a game. Yeah. To answer the question, Chris Curry had three carries for seven yards. Wow. I don't even remember him in the game. Yeah. Was I drunk the whole game? I don't yes, yes. You were drunk the entire game. <laughs> whole game. Yeah, three carries for seven years. Edwards Euler had 14 carries. Emery had nine for 51, which was 5.7 yards a pop. Price had Davis Price had four carries for 19. Miles Brennan had two carries for 14 yards, seven yards per average. Second best on the team. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. Curry. Yeah, it looks like his first carry came when it was. Uh, oh, Joe Burrow was still in the game. It was 59 to 24. He came in there and uh, had his first carry then. God, it was still the third quarter. It was 59 to 24. That is so weird. It feels like the offense now is – I we must have had these great receivers all throughout the years. Yes. Now, I understand that these three might be really, really something special, and, and, and I think they are. But, you know, Doral was pretty good, and Dupree was pretty good, and, you know, I, I'm watching Trey Quinn play in the NFL right now. Shark for the Jaguars. Shark was very good, and, uh, you know, that goes without saying um, three and 14 were were, were excellent, too. Um, sorry, he didn't wear 14 at LSU. He wore 80 at, wore 80 at LSU. Yeah, that's you. Okay, three and 80 were very, very good. <laughs> but it just feels like the, the way they're doing it now you can actually see how good the LSU receivers have been over the years so because good. the ball is being placed in their hand. They're getting open. They're getting separation. I mean, the, the third chase touchdown on the fade route, he, he has like, he on a, on a 20 yard fade route, he has the guy by five yards in the end zone. I, I just remember watching the Texas game live. It was so obvious that no one could cover Jamar chase. He was as big of a game as Burrow had. Jamar Chase was LSU's best player. Uh, he, uh, when you're watching it live, it's a, he is open on every play and not just a little bit. I'm talking drunk in the stands. You're like, wow, that Chase guy is pretty darn open. <laughs> it, he's killing Pete. He is. I, I, he's Wendell Davis. He's Odell Beckham. He's whoever you want to compare him to. He. Jamar Chase might go down as the best uh, receiver in LSU history. He is that good. He he's ridiculous. I mean, they're yeah, yeah they're just always it, they're always open on like every play. It, that's the crazy thing is like Burrow like gets like before with LSU so often, and I know this is like not how it's supposed to be, obviously, but like you look to see. Oh, maybe we can get a guy open. And it's like three seconds after Burrow drops back. Oh, there's a wide open receiver by 10 yards. Or, you know, I mean, like they're open on every play. And not not just those three guys. 
even the other dudes are open. Like not by as much because yeah, have, no, Mc, you know, McNabb comes in the game and he's yeah. wide open. Sullivan's open. Sullivan, yeah. So yeah, like I'm worried about Marshall being out. And Jefferson's injury is, I think, one of those things that can nag on you. But I do have to say, if I could choose only one of them to not have an injury, it's Jamar Chase. So as long as he's okay, I'm pretty much okay with anyone on the depth chart being the other two receivers. Yeah, and who do you think? I think the guy that they'll bring is, in is probably I'm not saying like, Trey oh, Palmer. it's good that he's hurt, but I think he's he's the least big threat out of the three. Like he's very good in the the red zone and getting yeah you know, he's, touching he's balls in the end zone. Which is which is obviously very valuable, but Chase is obviously, I mean, the huge threat. And then Jefferson is Burroughs. Yeah, he's still kind of in some ways his go-to target. I agree. So, he's he's the guy underneath. If we're looking at the comparison, he's the Jarvis Landry. So yeah, Marshall. Again, it's not good that he's hurt, but if if there's one of the three, I guess you maybe could afford a bit. It's him, but. Ridiculous. Like he, it's, he, he, Burrow completed 73.5% of his passes, and that's 7% below his season average. Yeah, I was going to say, he went 73% and his average went down. That's I mean, just gross. It, this offense is clicking on all cylinders. They're, you know, they're probably going to do the same to Utah State when it's time. And then, then comes Florida. And so okay. that's the question is how much of this is an illusion of – playing the schedule that they've played so far. I mean, Texas is pretty good, but they're not. I don't not... think you should. I, I don't think that the, they're, they're too good. It's like you might have one guy, you might have one corner on your team who is good enough to match up with Jamar Chase. And you might have two guys on your team who are good enough to match Chase and Jefferson, even though I think there might be only like one or two teams on LSU schedule. But if Marshall is there as well, your third corner is not as good as him. That's just not going to happen. And Burrow is just too accurate. I mean, it's just the ball is in the – I can't think of really – he's had like maybe one – like there, he's had incomplete passes. But there's only been like one or two or three throws he's made all year where it's like, oh, he missed that one. He, he doesn't miss. One of the things that's nice that they did by putting Jefferson in the slot this year is because in college football, teams don't necessarily match up their their DBs with your receivers. Like you see in the NFL, they talk about it all the time. Yeah, he's going to travel with this guy, blah, blah, blah. They don't really do that. Even like Alabama doesn't really do that. Even LSU doesn't really do that. So you put you put Jefferson in the slot, and now you're getting a nickel or you're getting – uh, a safety that's rolled down, so there's always an advantage there for Jefferson. Chase is there's just like you're saying, there's just not a lot of number one. He'll get the number one corner on most teams because he plays the boundary receiver spot, but there just aren't any guys in the country who can cover him right now. Well, we'll and then find out when they play Florida, yeah, and Florida's yeah. got a great cover corner, so I think that's the going to be the big test. Can he do this against uh, Chauncey Gardner? I think it's. Uh, oh no, uh, he's graduated. Um, yeah, Henderson. Henderson. CJ Henderson's, Henderson's the one. CJ Henderson's yeah. the one still there. Sorry, yeah. I I got confused which one graduated. He's awesome. I, I mean, we're gonna have to see. Yeah, yeah he, for sure. If if he can live up to the hype against probably the best cover corner in the country, who's not named Derek Stingley, <laughs> then he's for real. I mean, I know he's for real, but I mean, he'll be a true great if he can put away the Florida uh, the Florida game. Auburn, the concern isn't so much the, the secondary; it's more the pass rush. Will Burrow be able to get the football out? 
Yeah, and so far that that's been such a positive. Yeah, they haven't been able to run the ball very well, but you know the pass protection has been really excellent. Yeah, let's give credit to the offensive line. They they're the ones who get have been the big question mark going into the season. They have done a bang up job, and McGee got a little bit of a you know Twitter notoriety this week for his uh, double pancake block. Yeah, that was pretty darn sweet. <laughs> they played. Yeah, they ran the ball really well on Saturday as a team. They ran for over 200 yards. Um, yeah, I, I, I felt 34 carries. And Edward D. Edward D. Letter for the year is averaging, I think, about like 5.6 yards per carry. And that's so, what you want to. I think as our standards, we're so used to a Fournette or a Geis, like guys who are just truly special running backs, that we, we're kind of like sneering at a really good SEC running back. It's just that he's not elite. Yeah, and you just I, said I, he's the fourth most important yeah. player on the team. Yeah, we're just not used to that. On the offense. Yeah. yeah, it's weird for us to be like, hey, our running back is really good, rather than, oh my God, our running back is amazing. That doesn't make him a problem. He, he's been very good. Yeah, I think I think when, you know, Emery, Emery ran really well on um, Saturday as well. I think when Emery and Price, who aren't quite there yet, kind of come in the game a bit late and... So, you know, their averages aren't particularly great. It kind of drives the overall rushing numbers down. But they're, when, when Edwards Letter is in the game, they are running it pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, it's just like, for me, it, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, yeah. Which, like, is, which the is the nicest thing about this whole thing is, like, it doesn't matter because they're throwing the ball for 18 yards every time Burrow drops back to pass. Yeah, really, the only the running game right now truly is just there to set up the play action. Because yeah, I think Burrow is great at the play action. So you just need the defense to respect the run. And they're, they're executing. I think that's the crazy thing is that I don't, I, you know, I don't see them doing so many different route concepts and variations and stuff. They're running their stuff. They're just so good at running those simple plays that they're unstoppable. Burrow is always getting to the right receiver. He's always putting it into their hands. The receivers are always getting a yard of separation. And how, how do you stop that? How do you stop a team that's just executing at such an elite level? Well, I hope you can't. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's, and that's really where I think right now we're looking at a truly elite offense. But we will find out. I think the Auburn-Florida, those two games are going to tell a lot what team we truly have. But right now, all signs point to that this is a great LSU offense. But I, I think those two games will truly set the tone for the season. And this is exactly where we want to be. Like, there's, yeah, there's things to quibble about. We've talked about the defense. But at the end of the day, if you were drawing up the offseason, like, what did you want things to look like right now going into the bye week? This is pretty much it outside of the health of the team. And honestly, I think they're still just holding guys out as a precaution. I don't think all of the guys that are out are that hurt. I think it's that they can afford to rest them. Harris, of course, is out for the year. That That's no joke. Yeah, I, I, and I really was starting to like uh, Harris as kind of a rotational guy. And I thought he was. it looked like he was going to get a lot more reps going forward. You know we can withstand it because we're so talented on the back end, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, it would have been nice to see him uh, continue kind of an upward project uh, trajectory that I thought he was going on. 
Now, we're not going to preview the Utah State game yet. We have to save something for, you know, our tremendous bye week program. But before we get into that, I, they have announced a new schedule, and you, LSU will be playing Utah State at 11 in the morning. So who is looking forward to getting a sunburn in Tiger Stadium? I know you guys don't have to go, but do you plan on uh, some kegs and eggs or some morning tailgating? I liked what uh, our culinary expert, Zach, had to say. He wants it to be called Mimosas with Mike. Mimosas with Mike? I like that. Do you, have any, do you think the SEC is uh, taking the message and trying to give LSU an early start after mm-hmm. the the loud complaints around the conference two weeks ago? The Gumps won. It's hard to yeah. think otherwise. Really the only way to put it. Yeah, I mean... I think it's one of those things. It's just LSU's not has not been good at advancing its own interests, and this is just the kind of thing where we would have really ripped Oliva for giving Woodward a pass because it's his first year, and this is the get to know you portion of the job. But this is definitely hey, look, you know, everyone complains, and then look, LSU's playing a day game, mission accomplished. I don't think it matters that much. I mean, LSU is due to play a day game. Um, we get we do get a ton of games at night, which is kind of in the tacit piece. Uh, we won't complain about the cross-divisional scheduling. You give us our night games. And it seems like by breaching that, we can reopen the cross-divisional thing where Bama gets to play Tennessee all the time. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's that big of a deal other than the fact that just 11 a.m. kicks suck. But everybody thinks 11 a.m. kicks suck. Remind me of something uh, that I think Fox. came out about, it was either 2011 or 2012, with the daytime scheduling. That's how we ended up getting LSU-Alabama in 2012 as a night game, was because they wanted to skip the sun. Okay, so it was 2011. 2011 was the year we didn't have a home night game. I think that was it. Yeah, LSU didn't have a home night game. And uh, Oliva did raise holy hell about that. And that's kind of become... The compromise. It was like LSU gets its night games, but we would drop the whole complaint about Alabama getting to play Tennessee while we play Florida. So I think the response is is that you bring back up cross divisional scheduling. Wasn't there some kind of agreement at one time that, and I, granted this was before SEC Network, so that radically changed things. I understand, yeah. but wasn't there a thing where once you were on CBS at two thirty, you didn't have to be on CBS at two thirty again without having to get them having to get some kind of permission from the school what i think you're thinking of is there is i think so in 2011 what happened was cbs had already aired a night game that year like cbs is usually is only supposed to air like one night game a year i got you like they'd already aired they already aired one night game which was alabama florida and so they made some deal with espn to like get enough to put the alabama lsu game tonight but the other thing is that i think there is your only CBS can only schedule a certain number of teams, a team a certain number of times. That was it. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Right. And that's how we got like, the, I, that's how we guaranteed the Bama game in 2012 was going to be at night was because we'd already met that requirement in 2011. And then they wanted to put, put us on in primetime against Bama in 2011. And then that's the, that was the leverage that we used to ensure that the rematch with Bama in 2012 would be at night. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. And then of. you Thanks, also. Yeah, you also have the thing where this year they, the night game for CBS is part of the doubleheader, and they've already used the doubleheader for the Notre Dame Georgia game. 
Yeah, which I mean, that's our fault. Like all we have to do is beat Alabama once in the last. Yeah, I, no. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, but I just feel like well, I'll... no, you're not. But for, honestly, I'm actually fine with playing Alabama. At... Yeah, I honestly think it's better for us to play them two thirty. I, 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 would... I, I don't, need, I don't need the whole day build up of like freaking myself out over that game. Like, yeah, yeah. Starting if, at 2:30, so if, I'm... if I'm, if I'm, if I can't sit down for eight hours on that Saturday leading up to the Bama game. I don't even want to know what the LSU players are. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's yeah, cool. exactly. Like, it's, it's terrible for me or us already. Like, No, I'm I'm thrilled with the 2.30 kick against Alabama yeah, this year, which cool. isn't official, but I think we all see it coming. I think what more people are concerned about is it's the home schedule, which yeah. looks so great. Now you have Utah State is going to be an 11 a.m. kick. And let's face it, Utah State's not a terrible thing. They were a, um, kind of a trendy pick to be a top 25 team before the season. They lost by three to Wake Forest, but Utah State's not bad. They're, they're not... They got a good win on uh, yeah, Saturday against... Yeah, Kansas they're State. not... You know, put it like this. They're not Northwestern State. Utah State can play. So you had... You're going to have an 11 a.m. game. We've already played Vanderbilt at 11 a.m., and now you're looking at the Auburn game, which is almost certainly going to be the Florida game, which will come first, is almost certainly going to be a two thirty game, and then the Auburn game is looking to be likely a two thirty kick. So now you're running through mid September to mid October every one of your kickoffs to be eleven or two thirty, and I think that's where LSU fans are getting nervous. Also, a feeling of well, if if they can put the Utah State game at noon or whatever or eleven local time. Um, and then, like the Arkansas game, which is in late no in late November, considering that Arkansas is likely going to be horrible, that is a pretty that's a SEC um, cupcake week. So maybe LSU will get that one at night, but it's possible. Like the last time LSU played a home game before or at night was against Arkansas. And then if LSU is potentially undefeated by the time they get to AM, there is a chance they get stuck at 230 for that one if they're playing to complete a, an undefeated. So. Is that the Thanksgiving game? Because it's in College Station this year? No, no, it's in no, this year, it's, Friday. The, the yeah. Thanksgiving thing's over anyway. The, yeah, you're right. All Saturdays, but yeah, and this year's a Tigers game. There's an off chance that, or maybe decent chance, LSU only gets like one night game the rest of the year. And and none of them, and oh, I mean, I only, and that and only one conference game. So that's you know, I guess what the upsetting thing is. Yeah, because, I mean, I know some people are like hoping that oh maybe if we like gave throw to the bone and put this Utah State game, they'd return the favor for us. And it's like, man, that LSU Florida game is gonna be at CBS at three thirty. Yeah, almost certain. The Auburn game. The SEC schedule that week, the second best game is Mississippi State, Texas A&M. So um, that's going to be – there's just – it's not happening that, you know. And so that's three October home games, which was really looking like the meat of the schedule and getting no yep. night games out of that, which is, you know, really LSU's thing is night games. So that's a – this was the, the sure night game, and it's probably – I mean, I don't know. You might see the Auburn game get moved tonight. But I, it's it's hard to see it. It's so really the only night game will be on the road. I mean LSU LSU Mississippi State will almost certainly be at night, but that's at Mississippi State, so it's not a home game. So that doesn't really 
and that one is what? What's the schedule? Because I don't know if the schedule is necessarily super stacked that week. Well, they're not going to put give LSU four CBS games. No, yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah. They'll put the Alabama's uh, sacrificial lamb Tennessee on that week. But like the, even that week, that week is not stacked with kind of big games. I mean, I don't know. It feels like Alabama's had four weeks in a row at CBS at some point. So. Yeah, yeah I Alabama's played five or four, I think, of CBS games at two thirty in a year, and so LSU will probably be playing if we count the two plus. Yeah, I mean, if the Florida, Auburn, and Alabama games, that put them at three, so that would leave open maybe one more the last two weeks, and I doubt the, the Arkansas game probably wouldn't be, but. I mean, I think the Arkansas game will get played at night just because it's the Arkansas game played here. Yeah, though the schedule is super bad that week. Like, if LSU is the last undefeated SEC West team, it could just be kind of, oh, they got A&M Georgia. Never mind. They'll put that game on at uh, CBS. So, yeah, the Arkansas game will be at night, I suppose. But, yeah, not fun. I don't know. To me, it's like if if the Big Ten can basically go to TV networks and say, we don't want to play any night games in November because it's too cold. The SEC can go to other networks and be, hey, we don't want to play any day games in September, September, and October because it's hot. Like, well, the thing is, the October it's no longer hot. It's not really an issue. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll be hot, but it's hot here in Texas. Yeah, the, but October games, yeah, it's it's really hot right now. But as a general rule, October it's not. It's no longer about the weather. LSU wants to play at night because we play at night. That's just kind of our thing. We've been playing night games since 1931. You guys should have built lights. Is and, and so it's not – to have three home games in October and not get a night game would be really disappointing just from a fan standpoint. And it's not a play, it's not a player safety thing. It's not a fan safety thing because the temperature will probably be fairly mo- you know moderate and mild. I mean one of the games might be really hot. But by and large, it has really nothing to do with weather. It's just – October and we'd like to play the games at night and I don't with the Utah State game moving I don't see it happening it's probably not now on the list of big deals not that huge it's you know we're talking about it because it just happened today and you know what else you gonna talk about you know we have a bye week but it's really not it, it is not a mountain it is definitely a molehill oh no I guess it depends on your investment and your love of history of the game, especially at LSU, because the great Todd Pulich shared on Twitter today that dating back to 1960, LSU has never had a non-conference game scheduled for a morning kickoff in Tiger Stadium. And he, really? And he says it's very possible it has never happened. The only one that uh, tends to get noticed is the 2008 game against Appalachian State. It got moved from a 4 p.m. kick up to 10 a.m., that was because that game was being played the day before Hurricane Gustav made landfall. So yeah, it's basically never happened that we've had a non-conference game kickoff before lunch. Yeah, no, before TV, LSU... Look, this is how committed LSU is to night games. When LSU played Florida State in the 80s, ABC offered to televise the game if we could move it to day, and LSU said no. 
And LSU, the game where they beat Florida in 1982 and threw the oranges on the field, was not televised because LSU told the TV networks to go take a hike because LSU plays uh, Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. But we are not the same program as we were in the early 80s. The next time LSU takes tells the TV network to take a hike, it'll be the first time probably since 1982. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> There's also many more networks to be on than there were in 1982. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. Back then... You weren't on TV. When when they said this game's not televised, it was not televised. <laughs> Maybe on Tiger Vision. No, I don't I think this predates Tiger Vision. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, I think nineteen eighty two I right think did. Line. Yeah, but yeah, right on the line. Late eighties it definitely would have been on Tiger Vision. Oh god, Tiger Vision. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm cool with playing more day games if, as we've talked about, Alabama's not gonna play Tennessee. Like if like, cool, man. If, if y'all are this mad that we get to play games at night and you are stuck playing games in the day, cool. I will make the sac- We'll make the sacrifice. But give up your one guaranteed conference win a year that no one else has because you get to play this team that's been terrible for ten over ten years now. Yeah, and shows no signs of recovery. Yeah, like the like it's we've literally we're going on like six or seven years now of Alabama fans saying. It's going to turn around at some point to justify yeah, playing Tennessee every year. We're beyond a little dip now. It's, it's becoming like, permanent. Yeah, guys. I'm sure Tennessee, which lost to Georgia State this year, is really on the verge of turning that game into a real rivalry again. Hey, Georgia State, they're a, they're a real power. What's the um, pushback on divisional realignment to allow Alabama to play Tennessee every year by moving Alabama and Auburn into the SEC East because geographically speaking it makes a lot more sense for Missouri to be in the SEC West and you can also make that argument that geographically it makes just as much sense for Vanderbilt to be in the SEC West as it does for Alabama and more sense than it does for Auburn to be in the West think, that way you've well, got it'd, that it'd be in, they'd be too imbalanced with Georgia and Florida yeah. or do you move Kentucky I mean instead of well, what I'm saying is, you know, we're worried about these cross-division rivalries so much. I mean, that's one reason why, you know, Bama has been pushing back on doing away with the permanent rivalries, right? Because they have, they do have that long-term rivalry with Tennessee they want to keep. And I think it goes a little bit beyond the fact that Tennessee has just been no, really yeah, like bad, you know, this time, they, right? They, they definitely they, want to keep it. And, and, and I, I'm okay with that, right? That's part of what makes college football great are, are these long-term rivalries. So why can't we just do that? Why, why? What's going on within the SEC that would prevent that from happening? I don't know. They brought well, up the I point of no imbalance rivalries, in but, every year. but look, uh, the Big Ten did the same thing. They decided all of their major powers are in one division now, a much weaker division of the Big Ten West. Yeah, that's true. Because they put you know Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State all on the same division. And, and if you look at the SEC – we can talk about imbalanced divisions, but aren't they imbalanced now? I mean, I guess you have Georgia and Florida. To a degree, yeah, they are. Yeah, sure. Yeah. To put but, if to put Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Auburn, and then leave pretty much LSU, Arkansas, Texas A and M, Missouri. I mean, that's a bit like I mean, the, we're looking at all those teams who have won SEC championships like this century in the same division, except for LSU. Or do you go north south? Oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah. I, I don't know how that would look. I mean, it would be like uh, Missouri. Well, it depends on where you. It depends on where you draw the line too, because yeah. then you might still be you might still have the same problem where Alabama and Auburn end up in the South. Separate. Well, how, how, you, you, know, you go Missouri, you go Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, who are obviously the four northernmost schools. Yeah. Then on top of that, what if you threw in Alabama to go with Tennessee? Because um, they're the more northern Tennessee, you know, the more northern Alabama school. And then, yeah, see, this is where you get into trouble. Like, who are your other two schools? Right. Um, Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas would be the sixth. And then, I don't know. Georgia? Georgia? Not South, Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah, probably South Carolina. There you go, Georgia. South Carolina. Because that solves that problem. Cause the, so then Auburn, Georgia, the, they would be division yeah, rivals that. every year. And there you go there's your problem solved just go north now, south now, instead auburn and auburn and alabama wouldn't play every year because they've been separate divisions now but as we've always heard alabama and auburn aren't really rivals that's uh yeah it's very, it's, they say tennessee is their main rival so and auburn claims georgia is theirs so no but then again now you'd have the much tougher south because you have lsu georgia florida but you know alabama's in the other division you know it's at least you get rid of the alabama problem but yeah, yeah. Well, no, like I think I think the e- the easier way to do it, but is but this again, Bama nixes this because of, which is where my point being like, basically move Auburn to the east, and so yeah. you keep Auburn, Georgia, Bama's cross division can be Auburn. Yes, and then okay, you lose Alabama, Tennessee, but it's like, look, we lost keep, Auburn, Florida. Yeah, you're keeping your main your most competitive rival, which, yes, I understand that you say, blah, 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 you don't care about it, whatever, but it's the one that ev- pretty much everyone in the country thinks is your main rival anyway, and you, and then Auburn keeps their two big rivals. And you and move so Missouri like, to the West. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing, is you move Missouri to the West and move Auburn to the East. That is actually the most logical. That yeah, is, that's, yes. That's the way well, what if they did the whole pod thing and there was no divisions anymore and you had the three the three locked in games a year and then everything else rotated i think you have a problem trying to figure out who the locked in three are well i was gonna ask you guys like like, look look at it from lsu standpoint this is where you say if you're making the division from scratch you would probably put lsu in what i would call the big you know the uh the big 12 part virginia where it would be a&M, Arkansas, Missouri, and you'd throw LSU in that group. That'd be their foursome. But LSU wants to play with the two Mississippi schools. We'd want it to be Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, A&M. And I don't think A&M would want that because they'd want to play Ar- – they'd probably want to keep playing Arkansas and Missouri. It just I doesn't – I don't think A&M care about playing – I don't think they care about that either. But if you look but, at – Yeah, Arkansas, yeah, they would want to. And also you need – what you really do is you need to add two schools to get the 16 to make the pods work. Clemson. Yeah. Just destroy the ACC. <laughs> they're not going to do that, though, because Clemson. because the TV markets, they're not. They're never going to do that. They're never going to bring Clemson in, I don't think. And Clemson would never, there would be no reason for them to. Right. Yeah, what no, incentive does Clemson have to come in? You know, they're they're getting to the championship playoff no matter what, so. Uh, look, no, I mean, you... actually, they're never going to radically change it. They're going to do East-West or north yeah, south or yeah. I, I, the thing to do is either a like as i said move auburn and 
than Switch Missouri because that that's the best thing for everybody. Yes, maybe it's not great for Alabama specifically, but it's the best for everybody. And it helps everybody out. Auburn would get to play Florida every year, which is one of their traditional rivals, which yeah, they so lost in the Auburn gets Auburn gets all of their traditional rivals. It's better for balance. Auburn still plays Alabama. Or go to nine conference games, which Yeah. It's logical. Yeah, they, they, logical, which I think they probably might do at some point, but they we'll need see. to go to nine. But you with nine, the only problem you have is the Florida Georgia game is always a neutral site game, and it screws up the the home away balance. But they can work around that. That's not an that's yeah, not an not impossible problem. So, yeah. You could sell the Iron Bowl as something really spe- even more special now, right? Since it would be happening every single year. I mean, you could do it as a as the cross regional right as the the crossover game well no because they'd have tennessee still emma would still have tennessee no they would drop tennessee they would, uh, you gotta force them to drop tennessee that's ridiculous yeah. that's i think the the source of everything alabama trying to cling to the tennessee game because tennessee is terrible okay you, you were able to pull this off for a decade it, it's time to to move on Again, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, if this is like a big deal to you and it's you want to keep it because of tradition, all right. Well, LSU's tradition is night games. Like, some tradi- just because it's different doesn't mean it's any less a thing. All right. We don't have LSU doesn't have rivalries necessarily in the same way that some other SEC schools do. Not that they don't have rivals, but they don't maybe don't have a super famous rivalry like Georgia, Florida, or Alabama, Auburn. Okay. Well, this is LSU's tradition. It's night games. So, do I want you to play? Do I like? Do I want Alabama fans to like die of heat stroke? Only a little, but <laughs> yes, I wish you could. The SEC would just fix this thing, you know, easily and just be like, oh, you know, we're not playing games in the day. Sorry, ESPN or whatever, just throw us all at night. Yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, or it's like, hey, we'll do the uh, the CBS game. I'm okay with the two thirty kick. Yeah, two thirties. Are fun, you know. It's the it'll by the time the game is ending, it's you know, cooling down. Yes, I don't want LSU to play day games, but it's fine. I can live with it if you're going to be flexible too. But don't go. Actually, this is because of only because of heat stroke or whatever. And then, as you were posters, you were saying on Twitter, start only mentioning LSU playing games at night. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, then, yeah. And then whenever someone mentioned, whenever LSU fans mention, well, hey, um, this is our tradition. Why don't if you get rid of yours? Be like, no, 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 no. That's not happening. Like, at least be honest, guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah before there was t- night game, before there was TV, y'all played during the day. Just saying. Yeah. Did yeah. you not care about heat stroke in 1950? <laughs> Probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have Gatorade then. Yeah. If, if you really didn't, if you really don't like playing games in the day, um, well, then you should have started playing night games a hundred years ago. But you yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah. So this week, not a whole lot of big games. Uh, not even nationally. I mean, you have uh, Nebraska is hosting game day, and that's just sad. And looking around the SEC, you know, you want to say, like, hey, what game do you want to talk about? I mean, I guess the only game that's kind of worth talking about is uh, Auburn-Mississippi State. Auburn's coming off of a huge win. 
They now come home. Is this the classic trap game? I think that anytime you, it'll probably depend on on who is playing for Mississippi State. I think it's the freshman, and that kind of changes. It kind of changes the way I would feel about it. I think anytime you, you, you come off such an emotional win with a freshman quarterback yourself in Auburn, then that, that trap game really becomes a, a possibility. But if Mississippi State is also starting a freshman, then I'm less inclined to think they're going to lose it. I think with Auburn, it's they, they, do, they do a couple of things really, really great. They play fantastic defense, and they run the ball really, really well too. But it's Nick's is it's not that he's terrible. Like it's not that he's hurting them to like the point where they're losing games, but he's not good. And so I, I feel like there, there's going to be a game maybe on that schedule where he just has a bad game that just sinks them. Now, maybe maybe that game ends up being the LSU or Alabama or Florida games or the Georgia game. But I, I think you do maybe run the risk that it could be against a team like Mississippi State, which is a good defense, and that maybe he just makes a couple of bad plays and that sinks you. I, I think that's kind of the risk Auburn is running is that Auburn is like trying to play a very low event kind of game. They're going to you know, run the ball really well. And they're going to play great defense. And so the game is going to be short. They're going to shorten the game. And while that's a good strategy to have when you your quarterback is in the strength of your team, it can also mean that you can get yourself in a hole if he does make some bad mistakes. I think that's it's possible that that can happen. So far, he hasn't made a lot of them. He just doesn't make many plays. But, again, yeah. I, it, it is, I, I do think you do worry that that is a possibility. They are at home, so that makes it a bit easier. It does. You, you know, you get the crowd hyped up, but if something goes bad early, you commit a bad turnover, state gets up early, you start having that murmur around the crowd of like, didn't we just beat A&M? Didn't we just have this big statement win? And I agree, Auburn's a, they're a better team than States. State's been pretty disappointing this season. I thought their defense would at least still be good. And it's been, I mean, as much as we're complaining about our defense, State's, really had problems on defense. And, the, yeah, this is definitely a game where State's just got to show you something. I don't, I don't, think, they're it, hurt, I don't think they're a hurt at quarterback. Like, it, it, it's set up to be a trap game, but I'm not sure State can take advantage of it, I think is the problem. I agree. Like, I don't think they're as hurt at quarterback. I don't know. The other guy, the Stevens, I don't know. He didn't show a lot. I'm not saying the freshman they're starting now is great. He didn't. Play, he played okay. On Saturday against Kentucky, but I don't I don't know if he's that much worse than you know the Penn State transfer they had. Who I don't know, just felt like I, don't know, I get why Moorhead brought him in, but just, yeah, I don't know. He never really like I mean, his numbers weren't his numbers looked good, but against I mean if it, he beat up on Louisiana and Southern Miss against Mississippi Kansas State, he took two picks. And was seven of fifteen. So, and then he got hurt in the one tough game. He looked terrible. So, yeah, it's time to just move the page and see what you have. Yeah, like in I, the I, freshman. Yeah, so I think that's fine. And they do run, and he is—he's a good runner. Which again, I'm not as entirely sure what Joe Moore had once because he never really seemed like he knew what to do with Nick Fitzgerald, who was like a running back basically playing quarterback. And 
this kid isn't his best next material, but he's run for 223 yards and 30 carries so far, which is quite good. And they have Kylan Hill, who is arguably the best running back in the SEC. So. And while I don't really want to talk much about the A&M Arkansas game, we can at least talk about that. We are all right that A&M was grossly overrated in the preseason. Anybody want to take a victory lap on that so far? No, always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're not a bad team. It's they're not a bad team. I, I, they could have. They were down pretty big to Auburn. They scored some. They're not, uh, they're not bad. They're... Scoreboard, but this whole hype thing of like how they were going to be this you know sleeper team to compete for the title. I just they were replacing so much production. I just did not see it, and Auburn just beat them up. Auburn was just. It wasn't really that, that close. Actually, to the game. was not close. It's not that they're not bad. It's they're not a bad team. They're just not good. Like I was, I was on board with the idea that they could be a good team that plays a terrible schedule and therefore go seven and five, but actually be a nine and three team and seven. Yeah, and five. like, but I don't think they're a nine and three team right now. Like, I think they're probably a seven and five team. Kellen Mond is just not – he's not that guy. He's not bad. He's a good player, but he's – I mean, look, his, his two tough games this year, he's looked eh, and against Texas State and Lamar, he looks great. He kind of is what he is. It's and, sort of like the knock we had on Philippe Franks. It's that he beats yeah. up on um, – you know, he beats up on the cupcakes. He bullies them. And now Florida has kind of backed into a really good quarterback so far. God, what's his name? He, he but he was Trask. awesome. Trask. He, he he was great looking in his two outings so far. I mean, I know it was Tennessee, but he destroyed him. And the other the other thing with with A and M is, I know old Jim Bob Fisher thinks that the spread is for wussies, but trying to run like the Travion Williams offense without Travion Williams, shockingly, is not working well. Yeah, he was good. He was really good. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Jimbo Fisher's offense looks, which is, we're going to run under center pretty much all the time. And we're going to run the ball to set up the pass. Like, you know what the offense is. Like, yeah, that offense works when you've got a dude who you can give the ball to 30 times a game and can still average like five yards a carry. But it would sort of like be LSU trying to run their offense, a Leonard Fournette based offense with, with Leonard Fournette having graduated. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Also, part of the problem is they've got the optimization. Their second leading rusher in terms of carries averages seven and a half yards per attempt, and their leading rusher in terms of carries averages three point nine. But part of that is because a bad use of resources. Well, it's also because the guy who gets the less carries is averaging more because he's in situations where he can gain more yards. He busts one big run. It's, it's, I mean, it's only a difference of which actually now that. I, he also beat up on Texas State Lamar. Yeah. So I don't know. Like all of AM's numbers basically is they beat up on Texas State Lamar and then they play Clemson and Auburn and look crummy. Yeah. And I gave him credit, you know, against Clemson because Clemson's good. I'm not going to write a team off because you got beat up by Clemson, but they got beat up by Auburn. I think Auburn's a really good team, but Auburn's not a national title contender. Or if they are, I've completely misjudged everything. Yeah. Hey, you never know because when. Whenever we, whenever people write Auburn off, they that's when they go thirteen and zero. So maybe they are a national title contender. I know that that A and M Arkansas game is always close. <sighs> God, if it's that close, game is, that game is has been in the last five years has went to OT three times and has been cited by a touchdown four times. Jeez, 
Arkansas is bad. And Ar- now Arkansas doesn't win any of those games. <laughs> Arkansas, Arkansas is. They're horrific. <laughs> they're bad. It's it's not been a good road for Diet Gus Malzahn. I, I want to believe in Chad Morris. I liked what he did at, at SMU, but right now, I, well, let's just at least say it, the their process is taking some time. But th- this is going to be a rough year for Arkansas. They're not good. I mean, they, they re- feasibly could go zero and eight in the SEC again. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure hasn't happened since like Vandy in the '90s. Went zero and eight back to back once. Like, who, who I, like, I like Chad Morris too, but it's like, man, should you really get an SEC job after going fourteen and twenty-two? I mean, I, I know SMU was bad when he took over, and they were good the year he left. But it's like, and SMU, they look really good this year. They beat TCU this weekend. They won the Iron Skillet. They can make some cornbread. Is that what it's made for? Uh, yeah, an iron skillet. Well, I'm just saying in general, yes, you should make cornbread in your iron skillet or fried chicken. Obviously, no one here cooks. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, jeez. <laughs> Every day I'm going to go do it right now. <laughs> like, the iron skillet, that's important stuff around the household, right? Get a seasoned iron skillet. Don't wash it. You know, you know, They're northern kinda... boys. What do you expect? Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm talking to a Canadian... and with that we will go to the question bag (laughs) okay so uh fearless leader seven had well he his question spanned two tweets uh, but basically we covered all this already talking about the offense versus the defense so we're just going to skip that one okay uh our friend Vinny bartles wants to know i have friends who chose to watch jags titans over tulane houston on thursday can they be saved, or am I just better off not associating with such people? Well, they can't be saved. That, yeah. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> if you had the choice and you watched a dull NFL game while that Houston game was going on, I, I, I got nothing for you. You can still be friends with them. Look, you can be friends with people who have terrible taste in things. You know, it's there's We're no record. Right wouldn't recommend it <laughs> yeah but you shouldn't yeah you shouldn't watch football with them ever yeah that, that's just that is a terrible decision this is the basic rule of football bad college football is enjoyable as hell bad nfl just incredibly boring jacks titans yeah it was uh, i don't get espn okay because i live in a different country so I had no choice but to watch Jag Titans. Ooh. And it was worse than you can imagine. Well, Houston Tulane was great the whole way through. Yeah. And Yay for Justin McMillan, too. Yeah, and also Justin McMillan, definitely a fan here. Uh, he went to Cedar Hill High School and, you know, a couple years at LSU. I, I've been on the Justin McMillan train for a long time. And it... it I'm glad good things are happening for him. And that game-winning touchdown was, it was spectacular. All right, Jay Mefford wants to know, at what point do we start panicking about all the injuries, particularly on defense? If they're still injured by Florida? Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I do think some of it's precautionary. I, I do think they're holding some guys out. Harris obviously out for the season. Marshall his surgery. Divinity, I don't know the how long he's going to be out. And I, I think Logan is the one that's also fairly severe. But I, I think Lawrence and Chase on are certainly going to be back. So let's. Yeah, I think Florida is the good belt. It, it is the game you should look at. If they're not playing by the Florida game, start to worry. Yeah. Okay, I have a follow-up question of my own to that. At what point do we hoist Poser on a petard for all of his preseason good injury luck comments? We're getting close. We're due. <laughs> I'm telling you. My God, like how many years in a row are we going to have this? Did we I mean, build Tiger Stadium on an ancient bear, Indian burial ground or something? Well, not potentially. That, not, that, not that LSU's is not bad. But Maryland just had their eighth player in the last eight years go down to an ACL injury, and something um, in the water. Uh, not uh, and has had multiple seasons where they were playing either a walk-on quarterback or a linebacker quarterback. The linebacker <laughs> was my favorite. I was a big fan of that. Like the linebacker one was bad, but at least it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, once in a lifetime. And then four years later, they're playing like the fifth string guy, and it's like, really <laughs> doing this again? Yeah, I, but like, like Maryland's at the point where like they're just having random dudes go down to ACL injuries every year, and it's like, oh well, you know, it could be worse. So. <laughs> I will say we haven't lost. Uh, this is a big knock. No, no, we lost Chase on. But if you look at previous years' injuries, it's always been LSU has lost its best player, and that's been a killer. This year, like this is the big knock on. I won't even say it, but we haven't lost the per- the the people that. Uh, Stop now. Stop now. Yeah. Because I got really nervous, uh, I think, in the second quarter uh, on Saturday. Yeah, there were some moments in the Vanderbilt game. When he limped off the field. Yeah, there were some Vanderbilt moments. I was like, oh, my God. That's it. Like, like I – That's the season. (laughs) That's the season. Because Miles Brennan is not coming in and winning a national championship. So, yeah. That's the the only one that matters. The thing that's so frustrating with these injuries, they're just, like, niggling. it, It seems like they never go away. Leonard gets hurt, and then yeah. it just never goes away. And then Geis is hurt, and it never goes away. Are and, like, we... Lawrence and Logan, and it feels like they've had a couple other ones where it's the coaching staff is like, yeah, they're fine, you know, they'll be back in a couple weeks. And then we get to November, and it's, uh, what's going on with those guys? Weren't they supposed to be back? And I guess that's the worry with, like, like a Lawrence or Logan. It's like, I really hope we're not getting to, like, late October. And it's, oh, these guys who are supposed to be out for two weeks are still not back. Uh, yeah, that's the big worry with Chase on because, I mean, he looked he got pinwheeled against Texas. It looked bad. Yeah, like, he, like I mean, he, when, if you suit up and you don't play, it's like you were good enough to play. Like he could have played, but yeah, I hope so. The Texas crowd definitely booed his injury when he was got absolutely wrecked by the offensive lineman. <laughs> Well, that does it for our official questions. I would add one thing that uh, Mark Clements uh, posted on Twitter uh, during the LSU game. He said, I generally cannot tell if this LSU defense, one, will be fine once everyone's healthy, two, is being lazy because they're up a ton, or three, just isn't as good as I thought they were. I think it's all be... three. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of all three, right? Yeah, I think it's all three. Column B, a little bit from column C. We're just hoping column C is really small, but we just don't know. But yeah. please let column C be well, small. Well, one, like, 
column C probably, as we've been saying, probably isn't as important now that the offense is paying 50 points every week. But yeah, it's still, you know, I, I would settle for, you know, giving up 21, which they are. I mean, they're giving up like 20 points per game, but. Yeah, but we'll count the SEC, the Power Five games a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's get to 21 a game against yeah, uh, Power Five. I'm fine with it. We don't have to be 10 points a game. You know, it's, it's all right. But, and yes, please get healthy. Any and that's comments? how you win the bye. And that's how you win the bye week. Get healthy. Any comments on uh, the game getting dumped off early? Ugh. <laughs> I mean, after the way SEC Network has treated LSU waiting for the game. Right. That was exactly the, what I was thinking when it happened. It's like, really? Particularly the Arkansas game where they went to like post game. Yes. And we're having guys like talk while LSU is literally scoring a touchdown and they're doing post game review of Arkansas versus a school. I can't coach, even remember the, who it was. The coach, <laughs> the coach is doing a handshake while LSU is scoring a touchdown. I mean, I don't need to see this. I mean, after they did us dirty two weeks in a row, the Vanderbilt game, they, we don't get to see the end of our game. Oh, my God. I I, I blew a gasket. And then I went on to the uh, – I have ESPN Plus, so I went to go to the ESPN. No, you couldn't get it. You couldn't access it on ESPN Plus. It was just gone. They moved it to ESPN News, which, okay, if it's on another ESPN station, you would think that it would still be on ESPN Plus. No, it wasn't. That's weird. I think the best take on that whole thing was from LSU Jesus. He said, Jesus would never take you off the air and put you on ESPN News. You're prime time in his book. <laughs> in fairness to them, that game went like seven hours long. Yeah, it was. Like all, all, all these games are ending. Like all the all the new games are ending and LSU's in the middle of the third quarter. And yeah, and they wanted to get out of that game at halftime. Oh, yeah, for sure. You could hear the announcers talking. They're like, when's Burrow coming out of the game? I'm like, it's halftime. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand why they did it, but particularly after they screwed us two weeks prior. And look, and this is the advantage of LSU having an 11 a.m. kick against Utah State. Get in. We'll be able to watch the entire game, and it won't get taken off the air. You will actually be able to see the entire game first time. All season, except for the Texas game. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Should be rock on.